0: Amen. 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 Hope you had a good uh, time of communion there. Just want to express my thanks to, uh, to Josh for that song and uh, his little talk. And uh, he had me at uh, Tuck, 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 Tickle, Tickle, Tickle. And I love you, Rowan. You're my son. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, thank you, Josh and Lee and Morgan. So good to hear from you and see you. There you are. I feel like I see you growing and maturing right before our very eyes. So proud of you. Morgan's gonna make me cry. <coughs> Can't look over there. Uh, so anyways, just so proud of you and so proud of um, all that you're doing in Duluth. And <clears throat> I feel an overwhelming, I think, being with Caleb and Cassie uh, yesterday and I feel an overwhelming sense of just pride and joy with our young people uh, in the church. To see you guys and the teens and to think about Caleb heading off to uh, to college, to the campus ministry, and Grayson having been there, and Kenzie, so good to see you, uh, um, and Lee and Morgan being there, and then Grayson here now, and the bond that we feel like we with the Duluth Church, the depth of connection, and then all the Minneapolis people who are here. It's so good to see Allie back where she belongs. <laughs> I don't know, did I say that out loud? Um, that's how I feel. Anyways, it's just my feelings, okay. Um, but anyways, it's just so encouraging to see God work in such powerful ways. And, and uh, one uh, visitor came Last week, for the first time, she was an elderly lady, and she came up to me and she said, She said, The first thing I notice about this church, there's so many young people. (laughs) And uh, I said, Praise the Lord. She said, Church after church I go to, it's just all gray haired people, and it's super quiet, and and, uh, uh, et cetera. And I said, You know, God is, I believe, doing something special by His grace. Amen in our youth and in our campus and in all of us older people who are young at heart. Amen. But uh, um, we love you guys and we're so proud of you and um, just so excited about all that God is and will continue uh, to do. All righty. You know, there's a special uh, person in the audience. We can turning our Bibles over to uh, the book of Acts. uh, Chapter 1, actually, we're going to catch up. There's a special person in the audience, that, uh, a special couple that I would like to give honor to. Uh, I was, um, when I became a, a disciple, I was super shy and timid, and I did not have any sense of self-confidence or any sense that God could do anything uh, through me at all. And there was a man uh, who was a minister in the Church of Minneapolis at that time who came along and said, I think that God could do something through you. And I said, I think you're crazy. Uh, But he persisted in his belief and inspired Christy and I, actually, to enter into training for the full-time ministry. And the man, his name was Eric Mansfield, and the brother who reached out to and studied the Bible with Eric is actually here today. Uh, Mike Rawls, sitting right back here, Mike and Daphne, uh, and uh, I don't know, your daughter I'm assuming, so anyways, the Rawls are here uh, at at NIU in DeKalb, Uh, Eric told story after story about Mike Rawls, and so Mike and Daphne, uh, heartfelt gratitude to you, we don't know each other very well, but I don't think I would be here without your walk with God and your faith, and uh, we love you guys, Mike and Daphne. Our uh, elders in our sister church in Chicago, um, and so they, were, they are close to the Ram- Clay and Cindy Ramage, who are here as well, and uh, uh, so we all know Clay and Cindy, or Cassie's mom and dad, but they were close when they lived in Chicago together, so they came up for the wedding and are here today. So anyways, honor to you, we love and respect you as well as the Chicago church, we're so grateful uh, for all that you do, all that the Chicago Church does for all of the Midwest, all of the international fellowship of our churches, and um, you're a special part of that. So much honor and respect to you guys. Okay. Woo. Got off the emotions out early, so now we just get into the Bible, all right? Acts chapter 1. So we're going through the book of Acts with our sermon series, and we're today we're to, starting Acts chapter 8. But a significant movement of the Spirit is happening in Acts chapter 8 that I want to go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and remind us really kind of the mission statement of the book of Acts is found here, Uh, or purpose statement, or thesis statement, we'll see, or mission statement in a way of the church. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, um, You will receive power. So we've talked about how the book of Acts is always we see a demonstration of the power of God. It's really not about the church. It's about God, amen? It's about the Spirit of God filling the disciples with His power, His love, um, etc. So when you you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, so so far the apostles: Jerusalem, yep, sounds good. All Judea, okay, and Samaria. Whoa, the Jews did not like. Matter of fact, they hated the Samaritans. Okay, extreme cultural conflict in differences, in intention and in hatred. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying by when the Spirit comes on you. By the power and the grace of God, this group isn't going to be just Jews. This is going to be full of all kinds of races, all kinds of people groups, all over the nations, and then beyond Samaria, even to the Gentiles. Oh, Ghast. Okay? Are you with me there? So this was a radical, radical uh, teaching. So, so far we've seen Jerusalem, and now we see a spreading Um, to Samaria here in Acts chapter 8. Now, how the Spirit advanced the gospel into Samaria was not by the detailed plan of the apostles, uh, eight steps on how to get to Samaria. Okay? Here's how it actually happened. Let's read from 7 verse 59. We'll pick up at the end where we left off last week. And then we're going to read here initially through verse 4. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. And so this is the first martyr, the first person who gave his life for Jesus, who was stoned for his faith. And his testimony was sealed by the testimony of his blood. See, we, it doesn't really matter what we talk about at church. What really matters is our, the depth of our commitment behind our beliefs. That's what's felt. That's what's seen. That's our voice. Now, it does matter what we say, but it matters a lot more who we are. And therefore what we do. Are you with me there? So who Stephen was, well, not just a bunch of words. Those, those words confounded the Jews. They had no answer for him. Who he, uh, uh, the impact of his message was in not that just that he died, but how he died. Full of grace and mercy toward those people who were themselves stoning him. I mean, someone says a cross word toward me, and I get all. Right? And here Stephen is being stoned. Father, forgive them, just like Jesus." It says verse one, "And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. Saul is introduced by Luke into the narrative right here. Saul was there. Do We know, we know from later on that Saul was deeply impacted by Stephen and his message and his death and his heart and his spirit. We know Saul was, now Saul wasn't open yet, but that didn't mean he wasn't impacted deeply. Are are you with me? So Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So, so far, we have Stephen being killed. We have great mourning. We have Saul, who's this kind of, so far, he's just kind of like a madman, vehemently against wanting to destroy uh, the church. So this is not looking good. This is not the plan the apostles drew up to get to Samaria. But, but in Satan will always attack. He will attack your faith. He will attack the church always, always, always. But the Spirit always comes through if we live by faith. The Spirit is more powerful than Satan and he'll take dark Challenging, super hard circumstances in our lives, and He will turn it upside down for the advancement of good. The gospel, the kingdom of God. Isn't that encouraging? That gives me the peace that no matter what comes my way, we have a God who can turn it for the good. Amen and amen. Okay, so we see here the setting, setting the scene for Philip. So what's happening slowly is in the book of Acts is the apostles are gradually taking kind of a backstage, and it's really ordinary disciples, empowered by the Spirit, who are stepping up to take the lead. So in Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen. Stephen was... Just a servant. Acts chapter 6, he was introduced. He's just a good disciple, a good-hearted servant who loved his God and loved the Word of God. Amen? And then we see Philip here in Acts chapter 8 have an amazing impact in Samaria and uh, on the eunuch and, and, and therefore to Africa. And then Acts chapter 9, we see uh, Ananias study the Bible with, G, with Saul Who's Ananias? We don't know who Ananias is. He's just a good old disciple. And, and this is the, the, what's happening. And later on in Acts 18, we see Priscilla and Aquila uh, uh, influence Apollos. And so the, the apostles are starting to kind of, and isn't that the cool thing? The gospel, doesn't need you don't need to be a full-time preacher. Matter of fact, you're actually far more effective usually as just a an ordinary, spirit-filled, grateful disciple because your motives are less questioned. Oh, you just want to be part of your church. Well, of course I do. Why would I be doing this if I don't? Anyway, not the point. So Philip here is, steps up and has an amazing impact. Acts chapter 8, just like Stephen Acts chapter 7. So here, these verses are setting the scene for Philip. Number one, there's great persecution. Saul is set out to, to destroy or ravage. The Greek word is lumino. It means to affix a stigma to, to dishonor, to treat shamefully, to ravage or devastate or ruin. Saul was not passive in his intensity or his activity toward the church, he was intentionally, I want to destroy this. You know, uh, it reminded me of, uh, there was a group of uh, of our sisters in the the campus ministry a year, a few years ago, that were sitting around on campus, and they were having what we call discipleship groups. And these discipleship groups are times where we get together and we pray together. Amen, And we open the Bible and we respond to the word of God together. And we encourage one another to follow Jesus, to repent of sin. Uh, we, we're, we're there for each other. We're kind of like an immediate family for one another to provide comfort and companionship. And, and maybe there's a little bit of advice given, but it's, it's all centered around Jesus, Amen. So one of these groups was going on, and someone from another campus ministry came up and started yelling at these. I mean, some of them are here. Don't they look so sweet? Well, how do you do this? Like that? Is that the, is that the latest? Oh, thank you. Okay. All right. Anyways, uh, um, someone comes up to him. A guy comes up to him and starts yelling, "Abomination! You're an abomination!" Help me understand exactly what is an abomination about opening the Bible together and praying together and being open with our struggles and encouraging each other to repent. And so I heard about this, and I knew from which campus ministry this young man came. And so I called up the leader. Because, you know, I'm not, not going to take this, okay? Okay. That is not an abomination. Okay? So I called him. I was like, I was like, yo, friend, because he is my friend. Amen. Yeah. I said, hey, uh, I heard um one of your one of your one of your brothers, one of your boys, I don't I don't know what I said, one of your guys. Um this is what happened. And the, the other minister starts to laugh. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, but. Please don't take it personally, because he's called me an abomination. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? That was so, and we laughed. I said, don't worry. I get it. I understand. But then we had a great conversation about how can we interact respectfully, even though we may disagree on some things? Can we respect one another's differences enough to be kind and how can we do that? We had a great conversation about that. But my whole point in sharing this, and he said, he said and now one other thing. Your group is so evangelistic on campus. It makes us really uncomfortable. And I said, huh. Well, I can tell you something I'm not gonna do I'm not going to go to our group, and I'm not going to say, please tone it down a little. Because even though the world is going to hell, and even though there's sexual sin and abuse and drug abuse and alcohol abuse, and even though lives are literally being destroyed right before our eyes, let's make sure not to be too bold, in sharing the Word of God because it's making the other Christian groups uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm not going to do that, my friend. Amen Amen and amen. But what was interesting about all this is that persecution does... it, it, it does some things as a gift to us. Number one, always understand that persecution Says more, now let me qualify this persecution for righteous things. Because I've done some unrighteous things in my day, and I'm not going to call that persecution. I'm going to call that discipline from God. (laughs) All right? But persecution for righteous things says more about the persecutor than the persecuted. This guy coming after these sweet sisters who are trying to follow Jesus said that he's got issues. And that was also revealed by his minister who said, believe me, he's got issues. I'm trying to help him. And I said, "Um, God bless you. Uh, Are you with me there? But So persecution, don't. Don't if you get a little crosswise at work, or someone looks at you funny, or someone calls you a Bible banger, or someone calls you a oh, you're what just one of those religious types, aren't you? Listen, don't weird out about that. And don't change your life to make sure they're not too uncomfortable by who you are. Yeah. Know that it says more about them and have compassion and love and kindness. Amen. And not, etc., etc. But persecution also is a gift to us because it refines our beliefs. What do we really believe? What am I willing to be called an abomination for? What am I willing to, to do or not do in the name of Jesus? What am ultimately I willing to die for? Are you with me there? Those questions are refining fires, and they refine what does the Bible say? Who am I? As a, Who is Jesus? What is a Christian? How do I become a Christian, really, and not based off tradition or man's teachings? Persecution refines the persecuted's beliefs, and therefore it is a gift. And by the power of the Spirit, this is what exactly happened. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Do you see, oh, no, cowering in fear? Do we see this, oh, I'm sorry, a little too radical? Oh, do we see this drawing back into our shell from the disciples? These aren't the apostles, guys. These are ordinary disciples. Do we see this drawing back in? We don't see it because that's not how the spirit rules because it's the spirit of God in every one of these disciples that's letting it loose. Amen? Amen. And so this is how the gospel advances into Samaria. So great persecution, great dispersion, and great proclamation. So here in chapter 8, we see the Bible say, like it says in verse 4, they preach the word. Now, preaching the word, a lot of times we get confused that preaching the word means what I'm doing right now. Hopefully I am doing that right now. But it, far, it doesn't mean that necessarily. It far more means sharing the word of God to help others know Jesus. So more, it's much more what we do when we study the Bible with people one-on-one. One. That's what really more it, it's like. Does that make sense? And so we see a primal example in Acts chapter 8 with the eunuch. Um, but we're going to talk about that next week, okay? Or the week after, whenever we get to it. Um, so, so but, but verse 4, verse 5, verse 12, verse 25, verse 35, and verse 40. We'll just end here in verse 40. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. It's a main theme in emphasis of Acts chapter 8 is this now this proclamation of the word wherever they went. How about you and I? Are we sharing? God, wherever we go, in Memorial High School, are we sharing the word? Well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't need it. <laughs> Catch up on the news. It does need it. Amen? In, in, in college, in Duluth, in Minneapolis, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our own house, dads, are we sharing the word of God with our children? Wherever we go, wherever we go, that's what the Spirit is constantly prompting us to. To bring good news, this is what it means. To bring good news, to announce glad tidings, to instruct men concerning the things that pertain to Christian salvation. This uh, uh, effect, it's like it's—it's it's a ripple effect. It's, you know, we've all seen the, the rock that goes in the pond and it's ripple, 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 right? This is what we see. Go ahead, could you show that uh, picture? I, I skipped it earlier. Um, this is what we see um, um, starting in Jerusalem with Jesus, right? Pretty good splash, okay? All of Jerusalem was filled, with this teaching. And then Judea, and then Samaria. And then we have, as we go on into the book, all throughout the known world at that time, it's like a ripple. Now here's the encouraging thing about the ripple effect. I don't need to be the ripple that changes Rome. I just need to receive the energy and the force of the ripple, and I need to pass it on to the next water molecule. Does that make sense? I don't need to always travel land and sea, though we want to at times, and we want to have a global vision. But I don't, Jesus like, hey, let's make sure to not forget our neighbors. So I just want to receive the gospel, and I want to share the gospel. Amen? And as a church, we want to receive the gospel and we want to share the gospel in the city. And we want the spirit to catapult us, whether it be to Duluth or La Crosse or Stevens Point or whatever. It's a catapulting uh, out of well-trained disciples. Isn't that encouraging? John Stott, who uh, one of the commentaries of of the book of Acts, says this. Effective evangelism becomes possible. Only when the church recovers both the biblical gospel and a joyful confidence in its truth, relevance, and power. Whether we like it or not, there's tons of churches that have not recovered the biblical gospel. Okay? And that's what we're attempting and hoping to do. But... How about our confidence in its truth? How about uh, our confidence in its relevance for our world today? And how about our confidence, not in ours, but its power to change the world and bring good news? This is what we send Lee and Morgan and Kinsey. This is what we send with them. We send them with the gospel We don't send them with our church. We send them with the gospel of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay. Boy, we got through four verses. All right. We're not going to get all the way, but we'll just stop when we need to stop. Verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said with shrieks evil spirits came out of many and many paralytics and cripples were healed so there was great joy in that city you have one man one ordinary disciple scattered through super hard times but remaining faithful and he goes into that he's like I'm going to hold back I'm going to let it loose I'm going to proclaim the gospel and you have you see lives changed radically and I love the great joy in the city, great joy in that city. How about let's have some great joy in our city? Yes. Let's, let's be a group that's catapulted and we proclaim it wherever we go and we see great joy in the city of Eau Claire, in the city of Duluth, and in Minneapolis, and St. Paul, and Chicago, and, and, and all over the world, wherever there's disciples, let's, let's, as we're proclaiming God works, and there'll be great joy. Do you think our cities need a little joy? Oh, mercy. Now, verse 9. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic, magic. But, When they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. See, I believe the world is aching for something to believe in. The world is following their sports heroes, and they're following their music worship idols, and they're following their greed and their money. And, but when something comes along that's actually worth, that's actually truth, that's actually meaningful and thick and not shallow and surfacy, when something comes along that's worth it, we see people follow Jesus. So uh, um, I'm just going to finish with this. Here we see, number one, in this section, Christ is proclaimed. Christ is is proclaimed, the kingdom of Christ, Jesus, who he is, who he really is. If you've never really studied who Jesus really is, I would encourage you to grab one of the members here and say, grab one of these booklets that we even have the illustrator here with us today, Mr. Sean Nimitz. Okay, just grab this book and say, "I, I just don't, this is really cool, but I have no idea where to start. Grab this, get one of these in your hands and get it with the Bible and there's verses in here and there's questions for you to ask and it will help you know who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And the the members here, we are unashamed of the gospel And and we're not ashamed of this little thing because this encapsulates some of our core values and this is why we're motivated. This is what we believe in. This is what we're willing to die for. Amen. So grab this. So Christ is proclaimed. Christ is revealed. It's one thing to just open the word of God, but when we start the eye, the scales come off our eyes. And when it's like, wow, for the first time, Jesus is no longer no longer a little a flannel board stick figure with lamb on his shoulders. He's actually real and he's living today. And he's not a flimsy Mr. Rogers-ish type. He is more like a Braveheart type. And he's revealed, and then he's revered. It says they listened carefully. They listened carefully to what Paul said, and then then they obeyed the gospel. They repented, and they were baptized. They didn't just, in in one ear, out the other, Said if that's what the Bible says to do, then I'm going to do it. And they revered, and they obeyed the gospel. And there was great joy in that city, amen, 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 amen. boy, the spirit's moving, the spirit's moving through the book of Acts, now we're outside of Jerusalem and Judea, we're even into Samaria, Uh, next week we're going to see an African now become a disciple and he spreads the gospel over Africa and then in Acts chapter 9 we see this same Saul who is vehemently destroying the church, talk, have a little talk with Jesus (laughs) and kind of changed his after that. Amen, amen? Okay, you guys are awesome. We're going to have Jeff Messikalski at this time come on up and wrap up our um, service with a little contribution, um, prayer, and offering, and announcements, and we'll have one last song.